0: Welcome to Faith Baptist Church, Great Village, where we believe in the truth of the gospel, building of community, and engaging in the mission of Christ. We hope you enjoy this week's message as our pastors share from God's Word. Uh, I'm going to start this, uh, this morning with a question. How many of you have had the experience of some, at some point in your life of finding yourself stumbling around in the dark? Has that ever happened to you? Um, you know, I, for me, it's, it's happened probably more than once, where I, maybe I wake up in the middle of the night, and this happened to me more as I get older. Some of you can appreciate that, especially older, older guys. I have to get up to pee, and if the house is dark, sometimes there's no light on, sometimes there's no moon or stars or anything. It gets really, really dark, and and inevitably, I mean, I bet you I have stubbed every toe on both of my feet at some point in my life. And it's, uh, I think I've lost my, my baby toenail just because I've, I've injured it so many times. But, but, uh, and then uh, I, I, at least on one occasion, I've, I walked, I'm middle of the night, you know, half asleep, I, confused, and I walked right into a wall. Just And I tell you, that will wake you up. I don't know, maybe you've never had that happen to you, but, but I, assure, I assure you that that will really re- wake you up. Micah 6.8, he has shown you or he has told you, old man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you. That you should act justly, love mercy, walk humbly, before your God. We're talking about being a good human. And uh, last week we uh, talked about, uh, you know, when, where, how God told us what is good. And I suggested to you that we really need to go back to the beginning because if we don't start in the beginning, we're bound to end up where our culture is presently headed. And that's not where we want to be. We. Uh, read the first eight verses of Micah. The verse we just I just quoted is verse eight. We read the first eight verses and one one of the I think it's around verse two where God calls upon the mountains and upon the foundations of the earth to as a witness for him uh in regard to those who had forsaken the good. And so uh the foundations of the earth is an interesting phrase, isn't it? You know, the earth is hurtling through space. But God talks about the foundations of the earth. What is that? And I would suggest to you that those are the principles uh, of creation that form the basis of truth, all truth. And that's we, today we're thinking about... Uh, the relationship between truth and justice. Because without truth, there is no justice. Without truth, there can be no justice. And if we don't start at the beginning, we're not going to end up where we need to be. And um, so last week, we, we went back to Genesis chapter 1, where God spoke the world into existence. God spoke With his words, God spoke the world into existence. And that's the first profound indication in Scripture of the essential dependence of uh, truth upon reality. Truth is based on reality. It's, It's what is. Truth is what is. What is true is what actually is real. Can you handle that? And God made it all good. We talked about that last week. These are real things. I was thinking, I was thinking later on, as I was uh, going through, you know, thinking back and, and, and watching a little bit from last week, and I was thinking, I should have really paused and asked you to think about some things when we were talking about the goodness of God and how God made all things good. I should have I probably asked you just to stop and think about maybe what you had for supper last night depending on who was cooking. But I bet it was pretty good. Or maybe I should ask you to think about the last time you stood on a a hill and looked out over and stood in awe. Um, Or the last time you ate a fresh peach, peach. Or the last time you listened to children playing and laughing. I was driving up Kirobe Road the other day, and I looked, and there was one of the the horses that live on Kirobe Road running in the field, like stretched right out. I thought, man, what a beautiful sight that is. I was driving, so there were no other cars around, so I was trying to watch and drive at the same time. But but just the beauty of that that animal and and the strength and the majesty and uh, the grace and the power of it. You know, beauty is... Is, uh, is good. I, I would say beauty is, is uh, uh, almost uh, synonymous with, um, with good. Um, you know, harmony and symmetry, and, and uh, these are things we appreciate, right? Another word for appreciate is value. When you appreciate something, you, you express value of it or recognize the value of it. You're saying, in a sense, you're saying, you know what, that's really good. And we say that all the time, and we think that all the time. The truth is of supreme value. This week, we want to look at the relationship between truth and justice. Truth is reality. And therefore, if justice is going to be a reality, it must be based on truth. Which is consistent with how God made the world. Truth is is all about how God made the world, its reality. And you know, God cares deeply about justice because God is just, and because justice is consistent with truth, which is consistent with all that God has made, which is consistent with God's divine nature. Romans chapter 2, verse 20. God's power and his his nature is on display uh, throughout all of creation. We often get awe-inspired by the power of God in creation, but we also need to stand in awe of the goodness of God in all creation, and the truth was established by God, and the principles of truth were established by God in creation. Uh, Take a look at uh, this this verse here, it's Isaiah 45, verse 8. Shower, O heavens, from above, and let the clouds rain down righteousness. Let the earth open, let, that salvation and righteousness may bear fruit. Let the earth cause them to both both to sprout. I, the Lord, have created it. God's goodness in creation and the recognition of where it comes from and how God did what he did is the basis for all truth because truth is reality reality is what is not what we might think or feel or but what really and truly is last week we went to genesis 1 and Genesis 1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then it says, uh, God uh, said, let there be light. And there was light. And And then it says, and God saw that the light was good. And then it says, and God separated the light from the darkness. Now, today I want to take you to the gospel according to John, and we're going to spend some time in the gospel, uh, John's uh, gospel account, and I want to start by reading the first four verses of John. Keep Genesis chapter 1 in your mind. John chapter 1, verse 1 and following, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Remember, Genesis, God spoke the world into existence. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And then John writes, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And John goes on to talk more about light and darkness, in that first chapter of John, what's he talking about when he talks about light and darkness? Well, in Genesis chapter 1, he's talking about physical or natural light and darkness that God made. But in John chapter 1, it's, these things become uh, really metaphoric, and light is, becomes a metaphor for, for truth, and that, that, that metaphor, if you will, uh, the natural world reflects the glory of God. The natural world reflects the truth of God. And so just like we have light and darkness, so we have truth and error or evil. And if you re- we read through the gospel according to John, this theme comes up again and again and again. And, and I want to actually uh, go to... Um, uh, chapter 8, in a moment where, where this theme is picked up uh, and spend a little bit of time there. But, uh, you know, last week I suggested to you that um, e- uh, evil is whatever is not good. People have pointed out that darkness is simply the absence of light. And so it's, this whole metaphor thing is, it, 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 it challenges my brain but it's a wonderful thing how God has made the world. It is absolutely beyond uh, our imaginations how wonderful uh, God's work is in creation the world he's made. And the truth upon which the, the world is founded. Um, so, so light, darkness, good, evil, beauty, ugly. It's, uh, it's all very, very uh, interesting and formative for for us. Uh, God cares uh, so deeply about justice because God is just. And justice depends on truth. And that's our focus today, the relationship between justice and truth. Um, and we could also say the relationship between goodness and truth. Or we could say the, the relationship between um, virtue and truth. That these cannot exist without truth. You can't have justice without truth. If if we want to boil it down in as small and short a statement as we can, I guess we could say that. There can be no justice without truth. Now, um, take a look at this verse here, Isaiah 59, two verses, verses 14 and 15. Justice is turned back and righteousness stands far away, for truth has stumbled in the public squares and uprightness cannot enter. Truth is lacking, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. The Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. Justice is a big issue in our day, but it's ironic that while the world is clamoring for justice, they are at the same time attacking the truth, attacking even the the idea of truth. But justice requires truth. Think about it. Think about a trial. The whole process of a legal trial is what? To find out what actually happened. Not what somebody might be saying happened or what we think might have happened or... No, what actually happened? What is the truth? Uh, 1 Kings chapter 3, Solomon, the king of Israel, takes the throne... He prays and asks God to give him wisdom. God basically says, you know, ask me whatever you want. Solomon says, I I like wisdom to lead your people well. And and the the Scripture says that God was pleased with his his request. And then the very next thing is these two women who both claim the same baby. Right? And Solomon has to get to the bottom of it. And if you read through that account, you'll see that that, uh, justice was done because the truth was revealed. Because justice requires uh, truth. Um, and so Solomon's discernment of the truth enabled him to resolve the situation in a just way Uh, look at the close connection between justice and truth in this verse here, Jeremiah 5 1, we're going to get to John in just a minute but I wanted you to to, to check these out, these statements, Jeremiah 5 1, run to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem, look and take notes, search her squares to see if you can find a man, one who does justice and seeks truth that I may pardon her. You see, justice and truth go together in such a way that you cannot have one without the other because justice depends on truth. Without truth, there is no justice because the truth is how God built this world to work. The truth is how God built this world and the principles upon which this world is founded. That's what's true. What's true is what is real. If you think about it, it was a lie that got us into all this trouble in the first place. Think back to Genesis chapter 3. Remember, if we don't start in the beginning, we're not going to get to where we need to go. Because it was in the beginning when God laid the foundations of the earth. And it was in the beginnings when things went really, really wrong. So, Genesis chapter 3, the enemy of God who's represented there by the serpent uh, misrepresents the truth to our first parents and convinces them what? He convinces them they are missing out on something good. And if you're wondering about the allure that evil has and evil does have an allure it's draws us, calls to us. What is it? It is this idea or suspicion that we're missing out on something really good. Um, so they, they, uh, they disobey God. They commit evil. And, and then uh, when God comes to them, one of the things he says to them, he says, what have you done? Have you ever thought about how this that all works in relation if God is our father? Have you ever read the Genesis account of the creation and and then the uh the fall and then the fallout and thought, you know, how that works in if in a in a relationship way or in a relational context because the Bible does uh teach us that re- life is relationship. Life is relational. That's the nature of life. Um But, you know, if God is our father, was God a father when he made the world? Some of you aren't sure. Let me assure you he was. God doesn't change. And in Luke chapter 3, Adam is called the son of God. Uh, But just picture it, you know, like they uh, chose to reject the one who gave them life. And brought them into the world, and they chose a different father. Now, you don't usually hear it described that way, but is that is that a, 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 an accurate or biblical picture of uh, of what happened there? I, I think I think it, it is. And so we're going to John chapter eight, and we're going to uh, talk a little bit more about the evil one. Um. We looked at the first few verses of chapter 1, and in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, Um, and and how John goes on to talk about light coming into the world. Well, in uh, John chapter 8, and we'll start at verse 12, um, Jesus stands up and says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. There is a passionate exchange, a confrontation, uh, call it whatever you want, that runs through the gospel according to John between the religious authorities of Jesus' day and Jesus. And the, um, it's, it's very, very, uh, it goes all the way, like, from the time really that Jesus introduced himself to the nation at his baptism right through to the cross. But this particular uh, exchange in, in John uh, 8, Flows into chapter all the way through, and then in chapter nine with the healing of the blind man, which is also filled with uh, statements about uh, about those who are uh, those who can see and those who are blind, and those who walk in light in the light, and those who uh, who stumble in the darkness. Um, Jesus said, "Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life." Now, John chapter eight, verse thirty-one to forty-one. Let's read that and. Uh, and then uh, a couple of, make a couple of observations. John chapter 8, verse 31 and following. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him. Because, you know, they got upset when he said, I'm the light of the world, right? They, they, yeah, you know that. So Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Because freedom and justice have to be based on truth. There is no justice without truth. There's no freedom without truth either, because those two things go together. All these things go together, because they are consistent with one another, because that's how God made the world. They answered him, and Jesus is, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by him, and without him there was nothing made that was made so they answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never uh, been enslaved to anyone. How is it you say you will become free? And Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Sin, by the way, is how the world doesn't work, how God created the world not to work. The slave does not remain in the house forever, the son remains forever. Verse 36, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my words find no place in you. And and Jesus is not delusional here. They wanted to kill him, and they eventually did, right? I speak, verse 38, of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. verse 39 they answered him, "Abraham's our father." and Jesus said to them, "If you were Abraham's children you would be doing the works Abraham did. but now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God, this is not what Abraham did. you were doing the works of your the works your father did. They were doing the works who? Of who? They were doing the devil's work. What, what 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 works are those? Well, all evil. Anything evil. But, just like in Genesis chapter 4, where murder is set out as the epitome of evil, so here the work that Jesus is talking about is the fact that they wanted to kill him. And uh Of course, this time it's accentuated by the fact that that he is the one uh, who uh, was the Lord who came to save us from evil and the consequences of evil. I mean, it's, it's, it's wrong to kill somebody, but to kill the Son of God? Come to be the Savior of the world? Like, how wrong is that? Seems to me it's about as wrong as you can possibly get. And their response is visceral because they're starting to... They're starting to put the pieces together, what he's really saying here. And so they make an offhanded comment, a personal attack, really, about suggesting that his mother was unfaithful to his father, and therefore he is a product of an evil act, making him, in their opinions, illegitimate. And then they say, in verse 41, we have one father, even God. And what does Jesus say? Verse 44, you are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. Now look, look at what he says next. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. It's interesting. Scripture says that God cannot lie. Now, if this sounds harsh to you and I, that that Jesus would say, you are of your father, the devil. um, If we read it in the context of Genesis 1 through 4, we understand. Um, And you have to start at the beginning. That's where the facts are. That's where reality begins, That's why we talk about those, these things as being foundational truths. Their works showed their true allegiance, and that's important for us to know isn't, to note, isn't it? They, they, they gave lip service to God, but their works, what they did, gave indication of what their, um, their real allegiance was. Just like when Adam and Eve said, no, we're not going to do what you say, God. We're going to do what he says. John chapter 8, verse 45 through 47. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell you the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear him is that you are not of God. Uh, Jesus isn't just throwing personal attacks, in, insults here, you know. He really, he, he, you know, we see so much of that today in our contemporary uh, 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 polemic, and, and especially in, poli- in the political. You tired of that yet? <laughs> you yeah. know, attack attack the person. That's, that's what it's all about, right? But that's not what Jesus is doing here. They'd chosen their allegiance. Th- they gave lip service to God, but their work showed what their true allegiance was. Now, this entire spectacle of Jesus' confrontation with the religious leaders, you know, the light of the world convicting these men of their need, it's all very informative. But I want to point out something out here that has to do with the relationship between truth and justice. I don't think you could have missed it if you had just read through those, those words. Um, because in Jesus' description of the evil one, he contrasts uh, truth with both the murderous and the deceptive character of Satan. In other words, he draws a straight line between the valuing of truth and the valuing of human life. I think I'm going to say that again. Jesus drew a straight line between the valuing of truth And the valuing of human life. What is murder? It's the epitome of evil. His words indicate that these are exclusive opposites. On the one hand, loving and caring, on the other hand, hating and killing. On the one hand, good. Um, on the other hand, evil. And his words are a crystal clear indication of truth being only on one side. How much does the truth matter? How highly should we value truth? It's integral, integral to freedom and justice and righteousness. Paul says in Romans chapter 13, verse 10, love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling, fulfillment of the law. what it's all about. Think about it. Now, think about about some other things. What about uh, honest living and honest dealings? You know, the passage, how many passages in Scripture, even throughout the Old Testament, talk about how important it is to have honest, working uh, relationships with people? Even in the context of, um, if you read on in in Micah chapter 6, After it says, he has shown the old man what is good and what the Lord requires of you to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. The very next thing he talks about there, the prophet starts talking about, is lying tongues and lying weights. You know what a lying tongue is. What's a lying weight? Well, basically, uh, scales that were deceptive used to cheat people. Think about how important it is. How can justice exist without truth? It can't. Um, I'm pretty sure that thou shalt not bear false witness has to do with a whole lot more than just being in court. I'm pretty sure that's true. Think about uh, integrity and what it means to have integrity. Uh, Proverbs chapter 11 says, the integrity of the upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. Psalm 51 says, Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being. You teach me wisdom in the, in the secret heart. How important is that? Uh, was it last year or not too long ago, uh, Hollywood star Lori Loughlin paid for her daughter's marks so her daughters could get into a, a, a you know, uh, reputable, a reputable school with a high reputation or whatever, I didn't follow it really close, really closely, but you know um, what makes that wrong? Um, virtue or good, is what we should want for our kids as well as ourselves, right? But so often, we're more concerned about our kids being better off than we are about them just being better. We care more about their careers than we do about their character. And if you send your kid to school day in, day out, year after year, and never work on their character development, somebody referred to uh, the difference between resume virtues and eulogy virtues. And they suggest uh, that we should focus a whole lot more on the... uh, The latter. Think about fidelity or faithfulness, if you will. Faithfulness is based on a promise or a covenant even. To be faithful uh, is to keep that promise. To be unfaithful is to break the promise, thereby making it out as a lie. Something we have not been true to. So we're talking here about true love, buttercup. I knew, st- I knew a couple of you would get that, but what is true love? Does such a thing exist? You betcha it does, but what is it? Truth matters ultimately, and truth and virtue and justice are inseparable, and yet truth is under attack in our day. There is a war against truth in our day. And you say, that sounds like uh, homiletic hyperbole. You know, scare tactics, doomsday preaching. Because it's like, can, can there actually be like a war on truth? Like, who, who would actually wage war on truth? That would be like cutting off your nose despite your face. Yep, that's exactly what it's like. And that's exactly what's happening. I don't really know if I understand it, but that is what's happening. It's happened, uh, there's been an a, 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 a attack on truth. Since the Garden of Eden, but the past uh, few decades, in particular, we've seen an, an accelerated uh, war against truth. You know, back in the 19 oh, I don't know, 70s and 1980s, there was a whole field of, of um, philosophy and psychology developed called situational ethics. I, you, some of you may have uh, been there for that. It's an attack on truth. Let me give you some examples from our current day of how truth is being attacked. Truth is being attacked when people redefine terms. And that's happening every day. Even the phrase social justice is a subtle but de- and deceptive changing of terms, of the meaning of terms. Because you hear social justice and you think, "Wow, well, that sounds pretty good. I'm a social person and I really believe in justice. Um, but the term is given uh, a niche meaning crafted by people of influence with an agenda. And ideas like uh, critical theory are brought into it. And what you end up with is uh, a, 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 a form of justice that isn't really just at all. It's unjust. And we really need to get a, have a, a, a classic uh, understanding of justice in the classic sense of what it means. By the way, I I, I did bring a copy of this book uh, that I read last uh, spring uh, called Confronting Injustice uh, Without Compromising Truth by Thaddeus Williams. I want to recommend this book to you. If you are interested in these things that we're talking about in this series and this message today in particular, uh, you could really, you'll want to get this book. It's well-researched. It's well-written. It's very thought-provoking and and, and really has some really good direction for how we should be navigating this whole current situation we're in. Um, this is my last giveaway copy uh, here. You can also order it easy, right? I, it's not super expensive, but anyways, um, I do have th- that, that copy there. But, um, you know, I think about some of the other terms that have been, uh, have been redefined, and, and uh, uh, Thaddeus Williams talks about some of these in his book. You know, terms being redefined. The term racism has been redefined. You you might not be aware of this, but over the last couple of three decades, the actual term racism is no longer, does not, no no longer means what it did for uh, for, uh, for forever. Um, The term equality uh, has been redefined. Um, And... It's, it's a common practice to do these kinds of things. Either redefine terms or take, take words at, that have been well established in, the, in, in our language and then redefine them according to personal agendas. Um, the word diversity you know, has been co-opted by the current culture and redefined. Because in all, in all honesty, we said it first. Paul, Paul talked about diversity in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and, and and what he what he meant there is very uh explicit and and important. Even this here uh this here uh word that's being used by the progressive woke I don't know I don't know how many of you this just flies uh, uh, you know under under the over the radar under the radar on you but uh again uh Romans chapter 13 read Romans chapter 13 and the concept, it's a Christian concept, but when it's being used, it's being used to mean something almost the exact opposite of what it actually has, has meant. Uh, the slogan, love is love, that's a big, big slogan today, right? But it, it's an attempt to redefine what love is because we need to allow the truth to define love what is and what isn't, because it's based on reality. We need the truth about love. We need the truth about justice because God's justice is part of his love. Think about it. Um, Love is not permissive. How would you feel if somebody you love more than life itself just were to stop caring about anything you were doing? Does that sound like love to you? God's anger in Scripture, God's anger is always motivated by his love. The song we sing, he is jealous for me. Think about that. And... We could talk about all the different instances in Scripture where God expresses anger. Um, How do you even begin to do a study like that? But let me suggest to you that there's only one time, I think, in the Gospels where we're told that Jesus got angry. Now, there were obviously different times he got angry, but there's one time it says he got angry. Why? I would encourage you to look at that. Because it has everything to do with love. And it has everything to do with the destructive nature of error that destroys lives and hurts people and tears lives apart because there is no justice without truth. Revisionist history is an attack on truth. It happens when people are more interested in fabricating a storyline to support what they feel is their enlightened and sophisticated uh, position, more so than simply knowing and or telling what really happened. But here's the problem. You can't fabricate truth. Our culture loves to shout, follow the science, follow the science. They only follow the science when it's convenient for them. Because unless the foundations of the earth have Somehow changed, biology is real science. Think about how God made the world and how he made it to work. The whole my truth, your truth talk of the progressive social movement is an attack on the truth, it exaggerates our differences and it entirely ignores the myriad of essential things we have in common as human beings. And it also pushes us away from a belief in, in the objective truth. It, it reimagines the concept of truth, basing it merely on, on our feelings. So the song comes to mind, uh, how can it be wrong when it feels so right? Or the, the other one, uh, if loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. And the truth gets lost and justice gets lost. Along with it. What is real is what is true. If we believe something that isn't aligned with reality, we are either deceiving ourselves or we're being deceived. You could say it's all a big misunderstanding, but the price is steep because we lose real justice along with meaning and purpose. I just have a couple more things I wanted to say to you. I'm going to check my, my clock here. Yeah, it's just about that time, isn't it? Um, let me read a quote to you from this, this book here, actually. In her diversity curriculum, used by some of the biggest companies in the world, One of the seminal works of anti-racism, Judith Katz argues that objective, rational, linear thinking, controlled emotions, the scientific method, and quantitative research are all defining marks of racist white culture. Katz the author, includes such values as, listen to these, these are all racist, white, cultural beliefs. Okay, you ready? The individual has primary responsibility. Working hard brings success. Plan for the future. Delay gratification. Value continual improvement and progress. Written tradition, owning goods, space, and property. The nuclear family is the ideal social unit. And last but not least, belief in Christianity. She identifies all of those things with white culture. Racism is a big problem, folks. But it is not going to be solved by the progressive social justice movement. We need to look to God for that. And, and be ready to stand on the truth. Know the truth and stand on the truth. But this is the kind of stuff your kids... Will be taught in pretty much any university they go to, and it's also being taught, as William points out, in sensitivity training sessions in boardrooms and lunchrooms all around the business world, all around the globe, and it's being taught in grade school too. But universities are the worst. Uh, Matthew Crawford. He says, we live in a world that has already been named by our predecessors and was saturated with meaning before we arrived. Before you arrived or I arrived. Which means we really need to humble ourselves. But That's part of the problem. That's why, that's why in, Ma- in Micah 6.8 it says, act justly, love mercy, walk humbly before your God. Brett McCracken says we can choose the sources of where we look for truth. We can choose how we synthesize truth and apply it as wisdom in everyday circumstances. But we don't get to choose whether or not something is true. We don't invent truth. We don't determine it. We search it out and accept it with gratitude even when it's at odds with our feelings and preferences. To act justly, we need to be guided by the truth. Jesus drew a straight line between valuing the truth and valuing human life. Justice is life-giving, not life-taking. And our society is on a collision course because the boundaries are real. The walls are there. See them or not, truth is reality. What is true is what really is. And since God made everything, that is, you and I included, justice can no more exist without truth than something can simply create itself. Evil forsakes the truth. Justice cleaves to the truth. Goodness loves truth. Evil despises truth. For justice to be a reality, the truth must prevail. But our world is at war with the truth, even while it goes about clamoring for justice. Just be a good human. Well, that's going to take virtue. Because to be just is a virtue. And it depends on truth. I'm going to do one more thing before we stop. I want you to look at the scripture. These are the words of Jesus from John chapter 10 and verse 10. The thief comes only to steal And to kill and to destroy. By the way, Satan can't create anything. All he can do is corrupt, pervert, or destroy, seek to destroy what God has done. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. But listen to these words. This is Jesus talking to you and me. I came that they might have life. Life. And have it abundantly. Do you know him? Do you know Jesus? I'm going to ask the people here in the room to stand with me if you would at this time. And we're going to pray and close the service. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. I I tell you, our world is going crazy. We're talking Looney Tunes. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to go? I think we need to go to the light of the world. Will you pray with me? Lord, I pray for this tremendous group of people here gathered in this room and online today, and I just pray, Father, you would give us a sense... Or how important these, these subjects are. And a, and a sense of awe, your power and, uh, on display, and your goodness on display. In all around us, Lord, you created life. And justice is about life. And it all is based on you. You are the truth. God, you are the truth. Jesus, you, you, are, you are not only true, but you are the truth. And I pray even right now, Lord, for people that are lost and feel lost and maybe, maybe they feel lost or maybe they're not even sure, but I pray, Lord, that you just shine light right into their hearts even right now. That you would show them how much you love them and how much you, you love us and enough to to, get, to give your life so that we may have life and have it abundantly. Lord, we don't want our lives to be stolen or killed, or destroyed by, the ev- by evil or by the evil one or by er- the error that destroys and, and, and ruins us. Lord so we come to you at this time Lord Jesus and we ask that you would be our savior and our lord we confess our sin to you lord we confess that we have evil in our hearts and we we have put uh, the devil's work ahead of your word and your will for our lives because sin is in us but thank you for coming to save us and thank you for dying and paying the price Thank you for satisfying your divine justice while showing us such incredible mercy. Thank you for humbling yourself that much and loving us that much. We welcome it. We receive it. We thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen.